Hey, wanna watch a movie? What movie? You know, the one about the thing that one time. What are you looking at? I'm a bitch with a gun. Get your shit! Get your shit! And get out! All my life I had to fight. I had to fight my daddy, I had to fight my uncles, I had to fight my brothers. Listen, you think because you got a badge and I got a couple of degrees, that makes a difference? Do you know what white folks call people like you and me in private? Drop the law, baby. Take the shit back. Just for a night, take the shit back. I'm so freaking pissed. The world's gonna die. I can feel it coming. Uh, who all in it? Welcome to Who All In It, a spin-off podcast of Who All Gonna Be There that explores movie through a critical race lens. I'm Mel. I got a lot of jobs. Some of them are related to art stuff. None of these jobs technically make me qualified to review movies, but I'm black and stuck in the house, so I've watched a lot of movies lately. I'm pretty sure that makes me an expert. Prove me wrong. I'm Ariella, and I did go to school for this, but if you know anything about predominantly white institutions, you know that doesn't mean much. I'm an artist and a film programmer and maybe three other things, and I spend <laughs> too much time watching too many movies. Um, also, we welcome your feedback or shout-outs or suggestions about movies or our reviews. Feel free to write in or drop a video recording to our email um, at natturnerproject zero at gmail.com, and we will play it and respond on this podcast. We certainly welcome your thoughts and opinions on the movies we review and the movies you think we should review. Yeah, so today we're going to be reviewing the 1974 classic Claudine, um, which was directed by John Barry, produced by Hannah Weinstein. I wonder if there's any relation there. Um, I thought about that. I was going to look into it, but then I forgot. (laughs) Maybe it's better we don't know. Okay. (laughs) It might tarnish our review. Um, (laughs) Accurate. um, It was written by Lester Pine and Tina Pine. Are they, like, partners or are they siblings? Do you know? I can find out. I did not look into it. Um, And it's starring uh, Diane Carroll um, and... A young James Earl Jones in full zaddy mode, and we'll talk about that. Um, (laughs) And the music is done by Curtis Mayfield, which is, like, apparent from, like, the first frame. So. Yes. The music is so good. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lester and Tina Pine were married. Okay. Oh, a a spousal writing collective. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. So what is Claudine about, Ariella? So I'm going to read the Wikipedia synopsis, and we will be adding our addendums, as is constantly (laughs) necessary with any kind of information. That's true. That you find on Wikipedia. Stay critical. Stay woke. (laughs) Um, The film tells the story of Claudine Price, played by Diane Carroll, a single um, mother living in Harlem living on welfare with six children, who finds love with a garbage collector, Rupert, Rupe for short, Marshall, played by James Earl Jones, who is very young. 
Swole. Are you trying to stay respectful? I'm trying to stay respectful. You don't have to do that. Although, the way he looks in this movie I, finds me completely disrespectful to <laughs> my, my personal. I feel I felt disrespected. <laughs> fine. Listen, um, I was not ready. I was not ready. <laughs> Listen, I truly did not know. I, like, didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> like, I was talking to one of my friends, and they were like, young James Earl Jones? Sure. And I was just like, what? <laughs> Nobody told me. <laughs> I mean, I've seen, like, some black and white, like, stuff, but I've never seen young James Earl Jones in film. That's a whole yeah. different thing. Yeah. We'll talk about I it. Was okay. Just, damn, okay. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> um, so the pair's relationship is complicated by their poverty, the restrictions of the welfare system, and the hostility of her children, particularly her eldest son, Charles, played by Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, who believes that Rupe will leave their mother just like her previous husbands had. When Rupert is invited inside Claudine's shabby apartment, the children are rude and vulgar towards him. I don't feel like that's not how i read that but okay no i was just like they were just suspicious they seem like like valid reactions to me like when some strange man comes up in your house trying to date Mm -hmm. your mother but whatever literally i feel like rooted vulgar to me clearly indicates the synopsis was written by a white person Mm -hmm. (laughs) um throughout the film miss kabak a social worker visits claudine at her home and asks her if she is employed and if she's dating anyone Claudine always claims to be unemployed and single to make sure to get the maximum amount of benefits, which she desperately needs. If Claudine has a job or dates anyone and receives gifts from her boyfriend, the social worker has to deduct money or gifts from her benefits, forcing Claudine to lie. Having a husband will be even worse and cause her to lose her benefits altogether. Claudine does have a job as a housekeeper, but her meager wages will not support the family without the welfare benefits. Adding to Claudine's stress and financial woes, her teenage daughter gets pregnant by a young man with no prospects for taking care of her or a baby. I feel like that also wasn't how I read that situation, but... Mm-hmm. Um, despite these problems, Claudine and Rube's relationship continues and the children warm up to him just before he is... To announce his engagement to Claudine and the kids, Rupert is served with papers for a court order relating to the underpayment of child support of his own children. His work wages are garnished to pay the difference. Um, Rupert is so upset that he disappears for a couple of days and loses contact with everyone. He moves out of his apartment, he doesn't show up to work, and he doesn't show up to the Father's Day celebration the children have prepared for him. Charles eventually finds Rupert drunk at a bar and confronts him. He's angry because Rupert left his mother without any explanation, and the two get into a scuffle at the bar. Later, Rupert shows up outside of Claudine's apartment, explains his absence, and they reconcile. After several hardships and debating the financial issues related to welfare, the couple decides to marry. Um, In the middle of the wedding, Charles runs inside the apartment with the police chasing after him for his activities at a political demonstration. The couple and the rest of the children run after Charles, leaving the ceremony and board the police wagon. The film ends on a cheery note with the entire family, along with Rupert, walking happily hand-in-hand through the neighborhood. I also disagree with that description of how that happened. This whole Wikipedia um, synopsis is bootleg as shit and just wrong on so many levels. I know. They got the names right. I'll give them that. They got the names of the characters right. right. So cookies for them. Um, but, um, 
So, I mean, that was the general, like, scene-by-scene scene rundown. So usually, like, we go scene-by-scene, scene, but because there's a, so much there's so much happening in this movie, Ariel and I have decided to um, try and break down the overriding themes instead and talk about particular scenes that jumped out at us. So that's what we'll be doing this episode. So, Ariel, do you want to start with, like, some of the themes that this movie explored and whether or not you agreed with how they were explored. <laughs> I think that like one of the things that, I mean like the Wikipedia synopsis misses, I think that's so valuable about this movie is that like all of these characters feel like, at least to me, they feel really real. Yeah. Like the characters have really complicated emotions mm -hmm. and like, um, you know, not everybody's like dealing with, situations or like talking to each other in ways that always feel like respectful but it feels like you can understand like where they're coming from they feel like real people like it feels like it feels like a movie it feels like it's just so rare to see I think black characters where you feel like they're like real people just like stuck in really hard situations yeah um and not like reacting to stereotypes but not reacting in ways that like I feel like feed into black stereotypes yeah like I think that a lot of the work that that this movie does is to isolate like specific stereotypes and then counter them by like showing like just real people dealing with real situations. Yeah. So um, like one of the stereotypes, so I isolated like four stereotypes that um, I think the film tries to debunk Yeah. Um, by like having actual like representation of people. Um, so the first one is the largest one, which is um, Claudine and um, the welfare queen. Yeah. Um, the second one is um, Rupert and absentee black fathers. Mm -hmm. And then um, Charles, her eldest son, as the young black power revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And then um, her daughter, Charlene, who gets pregnant as a teen mom. Yeah. Um, and I think the film does a really, does a lot of like really interesting work around like, showing um just like humanizing yeah the different decisions that each character is making yeah um i i wholeheartedly agree with you like one thing that stuck out to me like you said was um how real the characters feel and i think a huge part of that is the way the dialogue was written like these people talk to each other the way real people actually talk to each other. And I think that's something that we've lost more and more of in the past few decades in film, that the conversations, they feel more curated. They don't feel like actual conversations. They feel like the things that we wish we could have said or mm. thought we're supposed, think we're supposed to say. But the conversations in these, these movies, in this movie in particular, they feel real, they feel awkward and clumsy and messy and like the kinds of things that you would say when you're feeling upset or when you're not um at your best self um it's messy and that felt real to me mm -hmm. um i particularly liked i was enjoyed i mean i was um pleasantly surprised and enjoyed the way that claudine and rupert talked to each other so candidly about their relationship like, mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time I saw that in a movie, especially mm -hmm. between two black characters. Like, they were so real with each other. Like, 
you know, this is why I think we won't work out in the long run, but I'm enjoying you right now, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was like really powerful to me. And I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I love how like, you know, Rupert is just like, he comes on so strong Mm -hmm. and you know, the way that he hits on her to me feels like so fucked up. So fucked up. Can we talk about that first scene? Like, yes, where he asked her out by, by, and she says no, and he's like, "I'm gonna report you." To yeah. Her office. Um, blackmail is not sexy. That's one thing. Um, but I yeah. mean, she seemed like she was enjoying what she was picking, to, like what he was throwing down. So I, I guess, but like. I know, I was like, I was like, I get it. I was like, you feel like you don't have options? It's like, maybe, like, you know, like this, I mean, like, he's fine. He's fine as hell. Like, I feel like she's just like, he's cute but stupid, you know? <laughs> yes. And uh, she was not the most subtle when she was checking him out. Like, she stopped dead in the sidewalk to look at him. That yes. Was, that was a little extra. So. I mean... Would you or wouldn't you? I mean, Melanie it's Stevens? not about me, Ariella. It's not oh, about me. Oh, it's not about you. It's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, James Earl Jones um, with, I mean, is what I would call country thick. And I appreciate that a lot. Um, he, he looked good. He wasn't missing any meals. Um, he had that good mouthpiece on him. He could talk some game. I appreciate uh, James Earl Jones with swag. Like, wh- where the hell did that come from? Has that always been there? Did I just never notice it? Like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's, yeah, I don't, I, I was so surprised. But I think it's also, like, a generational thing of, like, by the time I was introduced to James Earl Jones, he was, like, doing a completely different thing. Where, where did you get in, introduced to James Earl Jones with Star Wars? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like, I don't know. I... and like Diane Carroll, like I know for a lot of people of a certain generation, this is the first role they saw her in. And then I think with the baby boomers, maybe it was um, Dynasty. But how I met Diane Carroll was as Whitley's mom on Different World. Like that's how I knew her. So this. <laughs> This is a whole different dynamic for me. Yeah, she's great. She's just, like, so elegant. Yeah. Like, she's so beautiful. I don't know. Okay, that's something that I struggle with in this movie. Like, and I still don't know how I feel about it, but I would like your opinion. So Diane Carroll is obviously, like, this tall, statuesque, model-like, elegant figure. Um very put together um what did you think seeing her in this particular role i mean i was definitely like i think this is like where you can tell that this movie like was not trying to do the work (laughs) i think of like i'm just like i mean i don't know i'm like people's bodies can look all kinds of ways right like she does not look like she's had six kids like right you know, and I'm just like, what do women who, and I'm not, and that's like, I'm not saying that, like, what I'm not saying is that, like, you know, uh, a woman who's had six kids, like, can't be as beautiful as Diane Carroll. Right. But I'm saying that she has, like, a particular kind of, like, beauty and poise that I think, you know, 
to me, it doesn't look, you know, she doesn't look like she's been working all day, like, running around, like, taking the bus at, like, 5 a.m. They have, you know, like, a few hairs out of place. Work to, like, um, to make her hair look a little frazzled. Yeah. You know, like, I think they do a good job of that, but, like... But her face you know. was beat to the gods. Yeah. Um, and that dress, which I guess was supposed to be, like, you know, thrift store, dime store, yeah. whatever, what looked pretty tailored, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Like... like it's just, like, you know, they're not trying to have, like, someone who... I mean, you know, she looks like a movie star. She is a movie star. She does. Like, I feel like... But, I mean, James Earl Jones looks like a movie star, but, like, I feel like he was more believable in his role. Yeah, he is. He does, like... He could... Yeah. I agree with that. So, I don't know. I don't know what it is about Diane Carroll. Yeah. Like, is her beauty a deficit here? Like, her... Not her being beautiful, but that particular kind of... Um, palatable, like, white gazy beauty. You know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, I mean, like, she's, like, I mean, she's light-skinned and skinny. Yeah. I mean, yes. I don't want to say it, but yes, that's, that's it. Yeah. And, like, I also feel like I was thinking about the language aspect of it, too. Mm -hmm. Like, her kids talk in a certain way that she don't talk. You know? Like, and I think that that, that could also be believable, you know? But to me, like, she has, like, a much more, like, polished way of speaking. Is it believable if she's the one that raised them? I question that, I mean, actually. it's not, but I want to, like, <laughs> hold some space for, like, people's different experiences. I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, I think, and I think that that's, like, maybe that's part of what they're trying to do, like, for... You know, like, it's a way where, like, they humanize her and, Mm -hmm. like, through humanizing her as, like, a woman who's, like, on welfare and raising all these children, Mm -hmm. like, they're doing this work around, like, this, like, stereotype um, of, like, black women as being, like, you know, scammers or, like, leeching off of the state or, like, criminals, but also there's a way in which, like, they're working against it by, like, having this, like, light-skinned woman be like such a empathetic be like be like the point of empathy when like there are so many women on welfare who don't look like that yeah Uh, and or even if they do you know like are like you know like there there's so many different there's so many different like physical markers of like yeah that determine how you're treated in the system and it's it's definitely a pretty I don't even think it's that subtle. Uh, it's not that subtle a statement of what it takes to be considered, um, to just be considered in this society, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if the Dian- if the character of Claudine were a dark-skinned, short, um, like, more normal-weighted person within the context of America, like, I feel like the people who wrote and produced this film would not have seen that character as empathetically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a problem. Like, you, do you have to look like Diane Carroll to, to get away with having six kids and trying mm-hmm. to have a romantic relationship with someone while navigating the American welfare system? Apparently mm-hmm. so. I don't know. Well, look at how they dealt with, I mean, look at how Lee Daniels did Monique, you know? Oh, don't even get me started. Both in the movie but... and in real life, right? So, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah, um, I feel like that's, like, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely something I was, like, thinking about, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, that... You're right. Like, they were trying to, like, address the stereotype, and I guess in their way, turn it on its face, but I think they kind of played into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where you can tell that it was written by white people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because it's like the white the white man who wrote this, I was doing some research on John Barry, and he was actually blacklisted and had to leave the country oh. um, for a period of his career because it was during the, um, he was blacklisted when they were um, during the, why am I, I'm like blanking obviously because like we're recording, but um, it was when they were calling out all these like film directors and oh. people in the arts for being communists. Yeah, so he yeah. got put on a list by someone else. The Red Scare? Um, as a communist, yeah, it was the Red Scare. Mm. Um, so he ended up like making some films in France for a while and in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went back to the States. But he like deliberately was like doing, he did, he did, he directed um, Tamango or with um, Dorothy Dandridge. Yeah. And he directed uh, this film like adaptation of um, Bozeman and Lena. Huh. With um, Angela Bassett and Danny Glover. I don't remember that one. Okay. Um, I haven't watched it, but he directed it. Cool. Um, so it looks like he has, like, to me, it looks like he, you know, he's one of those right directors who has, like, some kind of engagement. And I think that there's, like, there's a, a handful of other films from that time of, like, white directors mm-hmm. who, like, took an interest in, like, you know, how they could combat representations of black people yeah or how they could like tell black stories in a different way than was being done yeah um so it's just interesting I mean I think that always white people are going to fall short you know like we need to be telling our own stories otherwise it's you know and even sometimes when we do it's going to fall short but it might as well be us yeah um but also like taking into account the context of the time that was like what 60s late 60s Mm -hmm. early 70s there, it was still very much on the heels of a particular strategy of appealing to the white middle class gaze in order to elicit um, sympathy, empathy, in order to affect change. So I feel like that was a pretty common response. I think only now are we starting to actually get into the reality of how real change would actually need to be done by unseating these people in power. And yeah. it, it took us, what, 50 years to get here? And mm-hmm. we're just starting that? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to see, like, how... What struck me about this is, like, Again, like the the conversations and the things being stated about race and class in this film are so much more frank than the things we've seen in recent history. So it makes me feel like have we moved backward in backwards in the mainstream dialogue in some weird way? I don't know. I think we've forgotten where we come from. Like I think we've forgotten that like like, the way that the conversation gets framed nowadays is as if, like, it's the first time that this is ever happening and this is this, like, brand new wave when that's absolutely not the case. Yeah. Like, I think that looking at a film like Claudine, it's so abundant. Like, like you were saying, like, 
the conversations are so much more real. The characters are so much more complicated than they're being written nowadays. Like, it just feels like, it does feel really flat. It feels like we're trying to be palatable now in, like, a whole different way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it feels like, you know, we're, like, we're acting like we need to start over when we really don't, you know? Um, So it's just, I think that, watching it as a perspective from the perspective of like having watched a lot of films that have been made you know before 20 years ago mm-hmm. like I'm just kind of like I, I don't know you listen to these conversations about representation and you're just like we were getting better like I mean like we had we had a lot you know like we have a lot in terms of film history yeah and honestly it's you know we're not dying any we're not being like murdered any less so with yeah. any less frequency or brutality so maybe it's time to try something different like maybe like I don't know I'm just like <laughs> yeah I don't know so yeah I just feel like maybe it's you know like it's there's no reason to like pull your punches on having a complicated conversation you know like there's no reason to believe that people like aren't available for that or aren't capable of having that right yeah as far as I'm concerned you know like there's no like we need to wait for like x y or z like that's just not that's that's like a way of avoiding yeah it's different real work yeah yeah I don't know I really liked um to address something specific in the film like I really love the convert there's like the first date between um Rupert and Claudine and he kind of like shades her for having so many kids he's like well you went and had all those kids and that's something that recurs throughout the movie is like even her own kids her son Charles you know like don't go ahead and get pregnant like don't come home and get pregnant we don't have like room for any more kids and then like he even says Rupert says you know you're the one who had all those kids and then she goes and she asks him and she's like do you have kids Mm mm-hmm you know and he turns out he has three kids yeah by two by two different women yep you know and like and she really like she just like takes it there and it's like a date and they're able to like resolve too Mm -hmm. I think is what's so interesting is that she's just like you know I'm on this date and like honestly like I'm trying to get it in anyway so like you could be fucked but like I'm you know I have six kids yeah so that's all this is right now yeah so you know but like the way that the way that they're able to like have that conflict and he like comes around too. Mm-hmm. When like, was the last just, time you saw you've seen that between two black characters in a movie? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like they feel like real adults. Yes. Yes. That's that's a really good way to to put it. Like the whole time I was watching this movie, I was thinking, okay, these folks are grown. That's yes. how I felt through the whole fucking movie. Yes. And I have not felt that way about really any modern movie. Right? With black folks in it. It was like a child. Yeah. Like, these folks feel, like, hefty and substantial and grown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, even the kids. Even the kids, they, they felt like they were dealing with this real shit, living in this real world. Literally. Literally. Like, I just, like, when um, her oldest son, he has a vasectomy. Oh, God. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Maybe we'll table that. But I just like I I like I felt like there there were there were there were so many pieces in that too. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, just like his reasoning and like where he's coming from. And like I think that to me, like 
it was so clear in the direction and like the way that they took the script Mm -hmm. that like there were so many like I saw so many real critiques of like the way that the black liberation struggle at that time was leaving women behind yeah yeah and they did that in a way that was so clear but like did not feel heavy-handed like, and it was really clear in this film, like, it was, like, patriarchy serves no one. Mm-hmm. Like, patriarchy punishes Black men and Black women mm-hmm. in different ways with, like, different levels of, like, brutality. But, like, patriarchy is not serving anybody in this movie. And patriarchy is 100% not going to be the way that Black people get out from under anything. Yeah. Like, which is, I think, one of the things I liked the most about it. Yeah. Like, they had some really well-written black male characters. They did. Should we talk about Rupert? A whole range of emotion. Damn. Yeah, let's talk about Rupert and black masculinity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so Rupert is, like, working class. Um, He works for the garbage disposal company. And that's how he and Claudine meet. She, She works at, in the suburbs at a house that his company um, serves or whatever. So they're both like domestics, I guess, is what you consider that. Mm -hmm. Um, And like in the beginning, Rupert is really just kind of this like irreverent, kind of happy-go-lucky guy trying to spit game. But like, I feel like as the movie goes on, you know, he like, he, he, we, he peels back all these layers, right? And you see that he definitely isn't this perfect, flawless human being. But you also see kind of, like, his softness and, like, all the shit he's dealing with. And, like, you see him trying to fit himself into Claudine's life, even within this fucked-up welfare system. Like, trying to respect her boundaries, um, but also trying to, like, love her in his way. And I thought that was... His portrayal was really beautiful. Um, and I, I felt conflicting things about his character, um, which is a good thing, I think. So, I don't know. What did what you think? some of the conflicts for you? Um, that conversation they had on the first date where he, he was basically like, so why, why do you have six kids? Like, he was judging her. Like, and, you know, I get that that's a real reaction that people would have. Like, even now in 2020, a person would have that same reaction, like, um, but to see it played out that way was very visceral, because, like, I don't feel like he pulled any punches on his judgment there, Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, when he gets served with the papers about his non-support, um, for child support, um, towards the end of the film, um, and proceeds to, like, basically have a breakdown, an emotional breakdown, because his wages are garnished. Um, it just, it came off as whining to me. I'm sorry. Like, so you have to help pay for your kids. Like, I understand that it's a lot of money, but the mother of your children, the mothers of your children, have to pay so much more, have to support so much more. Like, it's, to me, it's peanuts compared to what they're dealing with. Yeah. 
so I really, I really disliked him for that whole chunk of the movie. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. What were your thoughts? No, me too. I was really angry at him and I was like really frustrated at him. Like, but it, I was like, you know, this is this person who, you know, garbage man wages are not great. Okay. Like, especially like, I think coming, this is like four, you know, like almost a decade after the first civil rights protest that mm-hmm. like started with garbage men yeah. like rising up. Um, because of their unfair wages so I think that like his position as like a exploited working person exploited working black person is very clear mm-hmm. you know and like the patriarchy like just like jumps out because he's just like these are my kids you know like he it, it it feels like it's like it feels like the conflict for him is that he wants to feel like he's a good parent and that he's like or that he's doing what he can yeah. You know, because I think that I maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed to me like he was already sending money to the kids. Yeah, he said that he was paying some money. Yeah. Um, but the government thought it wasn't enough. Yeah. And like, it just it's interesting to me, like. I felt like there were these two, like they're both suffering under these systems. Like, I think that, you know, I'm not saying that like people who can afford to pay child support shouldn't pay child support but I do think it's this question of like how and when the state decides to step in um because like if you have this person who's like living on survival wages having their wages garnished who like can't even live their life then you know like why isn't there why isn't like social welfare like actually supporting people you know like, why isn't he able to have a better job? Like, why, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just like, there are all these ways in which, like, he's being punished also for being poor. Yes. Um, and, like, that's coming into conflict with, like, feeling like you're, you know, like, being told that he's, like, a negligent, a negligent person, you know? Which, I mean, he is, right? Yeah. It's like, you're not raising your kids, you're not in contact with your kids, yeah. like, it's all the responsibility of these women, like, that's shitty behavior yeah like remember the little hissy fit he threw when he was complaining about how his kids didn't send him father's day cards so why should he have to pay for them like yeah you're blaming your kids for being estranged from them you're you're Mm -hmm. blaming your children for being estranged from you a grown-ass man yeah okay so that's how this works Mm mm-hmm okay sure why not yeah he's being a dick like it's just it sucks and like it's like you're trying to parent like i was also like damn, and you're really trying to step in, like, her kids' lives, too? Like, you yeah. want to be a parent to these kids, but you're not a parent to your own kids? Like, you know, you need to think about that. What like, did you think of how... I felt like Claudine was very sympathetic and understanding of his situation. Do you feel like she was almost too understanding? Yeah. Okay, I also felt that way. Yeah. <laughs> and like I felt to me that felt real too. I feel like I feel like we're socialized to accept a lot for men. Mhm. Mhm. You know. That's true. And that his like little itty bitty incremental changes like, you know, read as being like much larger than maybe they actually are. Yeah. You know. But he does, like, I don't know, I I felt my favorite scene in the movie, which I guess we'll get to, but, like, you know, I just appreciated when fucking Charles, like, pops into that bar and fucking pops him on the mouth. 
<laughs> and it's like you if you want to dump my mom like dump my mom but dump her in person don't fucking ghost yeah like i was just like you know and because like i feel like the kids are the kids provide like all of the the commentary the necessary the kids see everything that's happening you yes. know like even if she's cutting him too much slack like they're not mm-hmm. you know even from the littlest ones yeah they're just like give me your ice cream money i really don't care who you are but I like how Charles was like, no, you don't have to get me ice cream because we're not cool. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about the oldest son, Charles, 18, the black revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I'm going to say, um, Charles is played by, um, let's see, he is played by Lawrence Hilton Jacobs. Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, which, if y'all are aficionados of black film, you know him as Cochise from Cooley High, which is one of the few movies that will always make me cry, no matter how many times I watch it. So, um, but yeah, he's a baby in this movie, and it's weird to see him so young like this. Um, but first off, I'ma just say. I don't fucking appreciate how he talked to his mom throughout this whole entire movie. It made me angry every single scene. Every single fucking scene, I wanted her to, like, punch him in the throat. Because it was too much, okay? And it was, it was ridiculous. Unacceptable. That was the most unrealistic part of this movie. I was like, he would have gotten smacked so many times for how he talked to her. That was wild. Do you know how many flying shoes I would have caught? (laughs) <laughs> for trying to talk to my mother like that as a child. Right? I would catch a flying shoe now, okay? And I'm 40. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Just like this, things he said were just out of pocket at every turn. Yeah. <sighs> so, like, so wild. What did you think of young Charles? I was like, you know. I think that he was, like, a good reflection of, like, what happens when you, like, don't have respect for your elders, you mm-hmm. know? Like, how fucking stupid you look. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You're right. Like, because he just looks so stupid. And, like, not in, like, a way where, like, he was, like, a comedian comedic relief but like more so just like it was just like you're gonna look back on this Mm -hmm. in like 10 years and you're gonna be so fucking embarrassed (laughs) at yourself you know yeah but like not I mean but some parts weren't you know like I was just like I was just like it's hella traumatic too like all the things they're going through are hella traumatic yeah like having like some white lady like pop into your house like when you don't expect it and having to like be interrogated in your own home like, feeling like, you know, you're a thief for, like, just trying to, like, survive. Yeah. And that you, like, have to, like, I think that him and Roop, like, both, like, really show some of the effects of, like, what it, of, like, what having to be so, like, having to, like, live off of state assistance in the way that the state treats you because of that. Mm-hmm. Like, the kind of psychological toll that that takes on people. Yeah. You know? Um, like when he was like, when he gets the vasectomy, like, it just like, I w- it just made so much sense to me, you know, mm-hmm. like, like why he would want to make that decision. Yeah. No, um, it, it 
it made sense. It was just really sad and weird. Yeah, it was sad. And, like, also, like, I'm just, like, that's what the state wants, too, right? Like, how easy was it for, like, an 18-year-old boy to get a vasectomy with, like, no parental consent? Exactly. And, like, that's not a lie. Like, that's not an inaccurate depiction of, like, what it was like. Like, they were, there's another movie, um called Bush Mama by Halle Garima mm-hmm. um, that was made. He was working, he was at the UCLA film school when he made the film. And part of the film deals with a woman living on welfare, finding out that she's pregnant and the welfare um, officer telling her that she has to have an abortion or they're going to take her off of her welfare. And that's a real thing. That's a real thing that they did to black women. Wow. Oh. And like, and a lot of times when you would go in to have the abortion, they would tie your tubes. And they wouldn't even tell you. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, you know, sterilization is, like, it's just, I was really surprised, I think, that they touched on that in the film. But it's just, like, it's also so important to, like, talk about that piece of our history and how that's, like, absolutely in- intertwined, completely intertwined, like, part and parcel of, like, the way that the state treats us. Yeah, I mean, you can see that, I mean, that corresponds with the current mortality rates of pregnant black women. It's, mm-hmm. like, black women are still twice as likely to die in childbirth. Like, Absolutely. Like, perfectly healthy black women. Mm-hmm. And, like, even the birth control devices that they give us, like, the ways that, um, like, organizations got government kickbacks to... Mm-hmm. Um, to give black women, black and brown women, but especially black women, um, Norplant, mm-hmm. that turned out to be so toxic for people, and doctors were trained to give it out for free, but had no training to take it out, so that when women had their, like, hair falling out, or were getting, like, uterine fibroids, or were getting, like, cancer, like, from it, like, nobody was qualified to, like, remove these, like, deadly, untested devices from them, because it was okay, because they couldn't have any more kids. Like, it's just, like, the reproduct. like, I think that the heavier side of, like, this movie is also talking, I feel like, also touches on, like, reproductive justice mm-hmm. as, like, being such an important piece of how, of, like, how Black people have been oppressed in this country. Yeah. And, I mean, like, low-key everywhere, but we're talking specifically about the states. Yeah. Like... I don't know. It's just, to me, it's just, like, it's just so, like, I mean, it's just, like, beyond disrespectful, right, that, like, Black women were, like, used to produce children as labor and now are being shamed for having children. Yep. Just, like, beyond heinous. But also it makes sense because if you look at all of the stereotypes ascribed to Black people, they're all rooted in things that were actually allotted to white people by virtue of our existence. Laziness. Mm -hmm. Our labor enabled white people to not have to work as much. Mm -hmm. Drugs. Mm -hmm. Don't even get me started on Black drug use versus white drug use. Mm -hmm. Like, all of these stereotypes tie back to white supremacy in this mm-hmm. very real visceral way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's ridiculous and sad. And I gotta be honest at this point, like, and I feel like I'm not alone here. I don't give a fuck about fighting stereotypes. I really don't give a shit about stereotypes. Mm-hmm. 
um, I just want black people to live their lives. Literally. <laughs> Literally. And, like, I'm just, like, it needs to be said, even though we both already know it. I'm, like, more white people are on welfare than black people. Yes. <laughs> like, the welfare, the welfare queen is, like, a literal, like, Reagan construction yeah. around hating black people. It's not a real thing. Yeah. It's not a real thing. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I guess I just, like, it was watching this movie was so interesting to think about, like, I think in the current situation that we are, where I feel like there's so much conversation around state assistance mm-hmm. and what we're entitled to from the state. Um, and, like, personally having to, like, negotiate, like, unemployment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And thinking about, like, how the amount of fear that goes into that, like, the amount of fear of, like, somebody, like, really interrogating you and, like, deciding that you've, like, lied or, like, failed to provide, like, accurate proof and then being punished for it, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of people are dealing with that. And I can't imagine that it's, like, not a large proportion of black and brown people because we're already in such precarious unemployment positions. And, like, thinking about, like, the long-term effects of, like, what this is going to be um, for people, like, who aren't able to find the kind of employment that's going to be able to, like, be consistent um, yeah. as this, as, you know, as we continue to have to deal with this pandemic because our government refuses to deal with it. Yeah, they are quite literally, as we speak, overriding governmental institutions that are designed to deal with this problem literally um, literally literally i guess i have this hope that um these systems that we're currently dealing with these fucked up financial structures these fucked up economic structures what we're watching is the death of them i hope mm-hmm. um there are far more cynical and more well-read people than I that feel that this is just the start of a new revolution of the same bullshit. I don't know. I hope not. (laughs) Yeah, I hope not, too. I think that, like, that was one of the things I felt like was missing from the film Mm -hmm. that I wanted to see more of, like, in terms of, like, the way that Claudine exists in her community, like, with other women. You see some of that. Yeah, with the bus ride. Yeah, but I was like, I was like, there's no way that, like, you know when she can't make rent, her neighbor isn't helping her out. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like, in black well, I'm like, neighborhoods, where's people that too? help each like, other Because out. I feel like there's a way. I'm like, you know, they're in the hood. They're in Harlem in the 70s. Like, there was a community there. And so, like, where is that community in the film, too? Yeah. That's a good um, I wasn't mad at it, but I also, like, I love to see that because, like, that to me is, like, one of the, you know, that to me feels like one of the ways like the ways that we've been showing up for each other yeah um yeah i don't know um i wanted to talk to you about one other thing around black masculinity okay there was like this point i don't know did you notice the or did you catch it when um when charlene gets pregnant and she's like crying and she's so upset and like her and like Claudine is, um, oh, Claudine. sorry, when Charlene gets pregnant and yeah. Claudine is like, um, you know, what do you like, this do? man is not prepared to like, take it. Like, what are you going to do? Like all, all men are good for is like getting you pregnant. 
uh, actually, like, yeah, you alone. I did want and, to talk like, about that scene because she, like, her, Charlene's boyfriend, Abdullah, right? Mm -hmm. She asks Charlene what she's going to do, and Charlene says, we're going to get married and get, and get jobs, both of us. Mm -hmm. And um, Claudine refers to Abdullah as, uh, let me find it. I got... Okay, she calls Abdullah, like, just another one of those black studs, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little taken aback by that, like... Yeah, well, and then Charlene's response to that is, like, through, like, tears and sobbing, like, like she's been coached to say it, she says... Black men have contributed a lot to this society, mm -hmm. Mama. Like, and to me, I was like, I was like, this is, I was like, I was like, what a, what did I think? I was just like, this such a beautiful, like, way in the writing and the performance of, like, communicating, I don't know. Like, it's so clear that this man has her under a spell. Yeah. You know, and that she's, like, really, like, falling for, even though, and, and also, but also that she isn't falling for the spell, that she knows that she's fucked, you know? Yeah. And that this man, like, is just taking advantage of her. Yeah. But she, like, wants to be along for the ride for whatever, you know, for so many reasons that, like, to me, I can empathize with. Well, you, you get the impression that she doesn't think highly of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just even from the beginning when she talks about going out with Abdullah and like how he's teaching her how to to meet people and um hold her liquor and she's acting like this is like her only opportunity to like be this person that she's trying to be and mm -hmm. i don't know if that's like the byproduct of being one of six siblings or like not having like uh a certain kind of um affirmation in your life that is afforded when you're, like, just, like, an only kid, or, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, she's the oldest, you know, she's the oldest girl. She's like, the oldest girl. She's but not Charles the is... oldest, but she's the oldest girl, yeah. so it's, like, to me, it's likely, and it seems like it's implied when she's like, I'm not just a babysitter, that she's taken on a lot of the care work for her siblings. Yeah. Like, while her mom has to work. Yeah. You know? And she wants something more than that, you know? Like, she wants pleasure, she wants love, like, she wants joy. She like, wants all the things that people want. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then she's probably been forced to, like, you know, she's probably not had been able to have as much of a childhood as her siblings. Yeah. Um, um, can we talk about how Claudine finds out that she's pregnant? Oh, yeah. So well, Charles throws her under the bus, right? Yeah, Charles, after Charles finishes cussing out Claudine, his mother... <laughs> and blaming mm -hmm. her for the demise of her and Rupert's relationship. As he walks off, he tells, um, he says, uh, you should check Charlene's titties, Grandma. Because that's how, apparently, we speak to our parents in these streets. He ain't shit. He ain't shit at all. He ain't um, shit. So, yeah, Claudine finds, uh, Charlene, um, and, like, rips down her shirt or something like that. 
Yeah, like, just, like, whoops her. And beats her. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of collapse in tears, and it's just, it was the saddest shit ever. Yeah, that shit is so sad. And, like, yeah, it made me really sad. I was like, oh, so you'll whoop her for getting pregnant, but you're not gonna whoop your son for talking you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Or tell him to, like, respect his sister. Or you're not gonna whip him for getting a vasectomy at 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, just... Huh. Yeah, it was wild. But, like, yeah. I don't know. Just the way that she said that, just the way that Charlene said that to her mom, I was just, like, I was just, like, the deepest sigh. Like, yeah. you can't even be mad at her, you know? So do you think that Charlene is okay? No. No? <laughs> oh. No, I don't think that she's okay. But, like, I also, like, yeah, I thought it was, like, to me, I also, like, that made me sad that Rupert was, like, how am I going to move in with you and the six kids? And she was, like, oh, Charles and Charlene are moving out. And I was just, like, I don't know. I I feel like I was, like, man, you're really letting her, like, move in with this man. Yeah. You know? Like, you're not just going to, like, help her, like, raise this baby. I mean, help her with what, though? I, She's I mean, still like, raising four kids. Yeah. I don't know. It just, like, made me sad. I was like, there's no, like, like we never meet Abdullah in the movie, but it's clear that he is a asshole. Oh, yeah, definitely. You he, know, so it's like, why are you letting your daughter go off and, like, be with this asshole? Like, it just seems like she's, like, resigned herself. Yeah. Like, Charlene is just going to have to make her own mistakes. Yeah, I don't know. That just made me sad. But I felt like the way, yeah, I don't know. Like, all the other black studs, like, that piece that you picked out. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it was just fucked. Like, and I think it's, like, the, like, like, it was, like, the, it was, like, one of the few times that you saw, like, Claudine, like, really, like, reflect anger at, ba- at black men. Yes. Yes. Because, like, she's been, pre- she's pretty forgiving for the most part. Like, she don't even really, like, talk shit about, like, any of, like, the kids' fathers. Yeah. And, I mean, she forgave Rupert for basically, mm-hmm. uh, ghosting, um, on Father's Day. Literally. That's a lot of forgiveness. It is a lot of forgiveness. <laughs> So I guess like how is she really gonna like come for Charlene when that's true. She's not really like setting the the strongest example around like having good boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. We should probably talk about the welfare state surveillance of black women. Um mm-hmm. and that social worker that in my mind I refer to as fifty three percent for the entirety of the movie. Um yeah, so 53% had a habit of dropping in for surprise visits. Wait, um, tell and me why you call her 53%. I don't get it. You get it. You just want me to say it. <laughs> no, I don't get it. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Um, 53% is the percentage of voting white women who voted for Trump in 2016. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, call her 53%. That's great. <laughs> um... <laughs> So yeah, she, this social worker would drop by for supply, surprise visits, um, 
And what would happen is um, one of Claudine's younger kids would warn her that she's coming, and that gave them about a minute, a minute and a half to remove all the new shit in appliances so that the social worker didn't see that there was some money, and some is in air quotes, coming in um, that would affect their welfare um, allotment or whatever. It's just so heinous. Like, you see this, like, white woman walking into an apartment, and, like, it's, like, six kids living in what looks like a two-bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. Six kids and an adult. So seven people living in a two-bedroom apartment, Mm -hmm. and they're afraid that they're going to lose their benefits over having a toaster. Yes. And an iron. A new iron. Yeah. Disgusting. Like Like a kettle. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't stop there because uh, 53% felt the need to ask whether or not she had been seeing anyone because she heard rumors. And to remind her that if she is seeing someone new, she has to report it because if that, that person is kicking in any money, that has to be reported. Mm-hmm. So it was the grossest, most invasive thing ever. Mm-hmm. And this woman had no shame. Like, no shame. No shame. shame. And, like, honestly, like, talk to her like like she wasn't able to have, like, a relationship that wasn't transactional. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I felt like the implication was that she was doing sex work. Oh. And there was, like, a shame around that. Like, I mean, maybe that she's not, not that she's doing explicit sex work, mm-hmm. but that, like, black women can't be in relationships that are, like, for the sake of, like, having companionship or, like, Intimacy. love or, yeah. like, camaraderie, that there's some kind of, like, transactional nature because of, like, the nature of black women as being, like... Hypersexual. The hypersexual mm-hmm. and, like, you know, just using their bodies to get over. Yeah. And that, to me, was just, like, so insidious and so disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, like, watching, like, this family that was already living in such difficult circumstances, mm-hmm. like, have to, like, have to feel scared about, like, the very little that they had, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's working for this white woman who's, like, on the phone and is, like, you know, the first scene in the movie, she she's, you know, after she gets off the bus, she walks into this white woman's home for her job, Claudine does, and this white bitch is, like, she's, like, guess who's 15 minutes late again? And mm-hmm. just, like, dude, like... Not even directly to Claudine, like, mm-hmm. on the phone to her friend or something. Literally. And it's, like, if she's getting paid under the table, like, if she can't be registered as having a job, like, you know that they're paying her less. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's just, like, she's her labor is exploited at every level. And, like, they talk about that so explicitly in the film. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, if I work, I lose my welfare. Mm-hmm. If I don't, you know, like, I can't, like, and if I if I don't work, then I can't feed my kids. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, but if I don't look for work, then I'm lazy. But She's if like- I look for work, then I'm not at home to take care of my kids. And I'm negligent. Like, it's just like... Yeah, and she was like, I can't win. No way. Yeah. One thing I appreciated about this movie, and again, this is something you don't see in modern movies. In modern movies, when you have a white villain, um, there's this need to make that villain exceptional in some way. To make them stand out. um, Practically have a big, like, placard over their head. a Mm -hmm. A big neon placard that says villain. And this is done so that regular racist white people can feel okay with themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
But one thing I notice in like older movies, like from the 60s and the 70s and further back than that, is that these white people were just being racist and it was, it was just, it just was like the air mm -hmm. that we breathe, mm -hmm. um, which is much more realistic about how racism works. Like yeah. this social worker, Miss 53%, what just thought she was doing her job. Like, mm -hmm. and it wasn't played in this particular way with a mustache twirl and music yeah. behind her. She was just generally evil in the ways that white people can be evil by being compliant with the current system that they're in. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that. Yeah. That was cool. It's like her job as she sees it and she makes it very clear is to protect the system. Yeah. You know, she's like, she believes that it's more important for to make sure that, you know, they're not giving this woman a penny more than they need to, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, for, that's for everybody else's sake. Like, I'm sure that she thinks, you know, like, if one person cheats, like, it's taking it out of somebody else's pocket, and they might really need it, you know? <laughs> and I feel like we see that shit so much. It's just like, why do you, why do you love the state? Like, yeah. That part when, this, like, she's... Why is this our problem? Yeah. Like, why do you expect me to love the state? You... Literally. Do you see how we're being treated? Like, Literally. what part of that would be rational? Yeah. Why would I fight for any of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I don't know. But that part where, like, um, Claudine starts to itemize all the, like, money that um, her new beau has given her and breaks it down to two fifteen, and this bitch actually takes out a notepad and starts writing that shit down and tallying it. Mm-hmm. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Two dollars yeah. and fifteen cents? Mm-hmm. Right, which went a lot further in 1974 than it does now. Yeah. Like, the ice cream, I'm like, $2.15 is like, you know, that makes a difference. I don't know. It's just, like, disgusting that, like, it's such a small amount, but also, like, that, like, but you having that make taken sure. out is going to have a markable, marked effect on, yeah. like, you know, the kid's next meal. Yes. It's just, yeah, it's horrifying. And, like, it's absolutely, like, that's absolutely how it goes down. Like, they really do be in people's business like that, you know? I don't even like understand how that's legal. Do, anything you do. Yeah. Like, it's so violent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you get any good times E vibes from this movie? <laughs> I guess I didn't really watch Good Times, so uh, you tell me if you did. But I'm not, a, I can't really speak to that. I did watch Good Times. I, I can't remember if Good Times came out before or after. Let me look that up. Um, so, oh, Good Times came out in 1974, the exact same time. Same I did get Good Timesy vibes from this. Like, this whole, like, um, well, I mean, like, you, uh, put in the notes, making a way out of no way. Mm. That's sort of like making it do what it do. Yeah. Um, yeah, what did you think about that whole theme of the whole movie? Um, I kind of, I liked that. Yeah. You know, like, I liked the, like, you know, nobody dies. That's nice. That is nice. A nice change of pace. <laughs> like, state violence is really present, but there's, like, the hope that, you know, they're gonna get, they're gonna get 
that they like get joy together you Mm -hmm. know and that they like love each other and care about each other yeah even if it's like hard and messy like and not perfect yeah you know that there's like real like caring there I really liked that about it you know um I mean okay so at the end after Claudine takes Rupert back um we see them getting married in the house and then Charles the oldest is protesting um lack of um wages and labor for black folks and gets chased down by the police in and he runs into the house during the wedding protesting ceremony. at the welfare office huh he's at the welfare office protesting oh i oh i didn't catch that okay all right he's like and they're like and they're like give us jobs yeah okay um yeah and then he's like he's running from the cops he like runs into the house it's like in the middle of the ceremony like they're literally saying i do the apartment's like packed with people mm-hmm. and then the cops bust in like so like charles like runs into the apartment and like puts on like a jacket or something to like pretend like he's been in the ceremony the whole time like he's like he's in the wedding party yeah and the cops burst in and um try to arrest him and like I feel like I really enjoyed this scene just because there's like this one point when like somebody's auntie is like hitting a cop on the head with a purse, (laughs) which I was just like deeply pro. Like I just, to me, it was like, I was thinking about this, like um, this scene, this like video that I saw a couple weeks ago. I think it was in Atlanta um of like a protest mm-hmm. and this young black woman gets um is de-arrested mm-hmm. by the public i don't know if you saw this video but like the cops arrest her and put her in the car and then the whole crowd like the whole protest they surround the car and just like start chanting like let her go let her go let her go and like somebody i think is like negotiating with the cops to let her go too oh wow. and they end up letting her go because it's like too much trouble yeah you know wow and like i was just like that's kind of, like, also, like, making a way out of no way to me is, like, you know, the cops burst in. But, like, every, you know, I feel like the the way that white people act around the cops is, like, I'm too scared as if, like, white people get shot indiscriminately by the cops all the time. You know, white people have no reason to be scared of the cops. No. But they act so scared. But, like, in this situation, it's, like, this room full of black people. The cops walk in. Like, also, it's, like, black cops, too, which I feel like is a real hood thing. Mm. It's, like, there be black cops, and black cops fucking suck just as much as any other fucking cop. And, like, people fight back. Like, Mm. everybody's, like, leave him alone. Like, and, like, are rushing the cops. Yeah. And, like, trying to, like, pull him away. And, like, you know, somebody's, somebody's auntie is, like, beating the cops on the head with a purse. And I'm just, like, fuck yeah. Like, yeah. This is great. Yeah. I love this story. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, like, there's this, like, there's not this, like, I mean, I think that, like, people have, like, a healthy fear of the cops. But, like, people don't have, like, this, like, faith in the power of, like, how much power we have when we all are, like, in a group with each other, you know? Like, the cops were far outnumbered, and everybody immediately recognized that fact and started to capitalize on it, you know? Yeah. And I was so... I was hyped. Yeah, it was pretty cool. You know? And, like, to me, it's not... Like, it's very ambiguous, because this is, like, the very ending of the movie. So, Mm -hmm. like, what's ambiguous is that, like, the cops, like, 
don't arrest Charles, but arrest Roop instead because Roop starts, like, I think, punching one of the cops. Yeah, he, like, pushes one across the room, yeah. Yeah, like, he really goes hard, like, in the paint for Charles, and he ends up getting arrested. Diane Carroll, Claudine's like, that's my husband, Mm -hmm. like, you know, so they arrest Roop and put him in the paddy wagon, and then Claudine jumps in, and she's like, I'm not going without him. Mm-hmm. And then, like, all the little kids, like, the little ones jump in. And one by like, one, yeah. At our mama. And then Charles runs up from the back, and he gets in, too. Yeah. Okay, so that was weird to me. It was weird. And then the car drops, the, the paddy wagon drives down. Everybody's, like, smiling, which is Yeah, bizarre. like, the end of, like, um, what was Like, that? it's a joke. Yeah, what was, the, what was that movie with, um, What's-His-Face and Mrs. Robinson? Um, the graduate. Oh, uh, it was yeah. like it was like the end of the graduate, but this black family in a paddy wagon smiling at each other. Well, it's so weird, and it's not even the end of the movie. So then, the, so then the paddy wagon drives off, and the credits and the start rolling. Scene, Wait, the credits start rolling though. Credits start rolling, yes. and then the next is them all walking up the street in Harlem, just like holding hands and smiling. Yes. So I'm like, did they get booked? I like, was I'm just so confused. I was like, like, like yes, and I was annoyed as shit because I I was like, I need some context. What the fuck just happened here? I was so confused. I was like, I was like, if they had just had to pay bail, nobody would be smiling. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's so much money. Like, they would not. <laughs> that was, that was confusing to me. I really, so my, like, what I wrote for myself mm-hmm. was that the cops decided that it was, like, too much trouble to, like, book them. So it just ended up letting them go. And then they're just like, <laughs> ha, 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 like, running down the street. Like, fuck the cops. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I personally decided that it's been a while and I need a black movie with a happy ending, so I'm just going to take it. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. <laughs> I, I want, yes. <laughs> Fully. Um, I, I consider this payback for Queen and Slim. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That they didn't have to get, like, brutally murdered and then have their, like, smiling faces wheat-pasted on a wall <laughs> as, like, a testament to, like, how their death was really justified in the end because it served the greater purpose. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, infinite black martyrdom forever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what... I'm that good what on black martyrdom. I'm good on that. that. what you're maybe referring to? Yeah. That, that would be the one. God forbid. What's up, Lena Waithe? God forbid we live. <laughs> But yeah, the ending was a little weird and jarring, but I liked that it was happy, and I liked that it mirrored the f- first frame of the movie, um, except now Rupert was in the picture. So that was cute. That was real cute. Um, I'm glad that you enjoyed that. I like, I was like, I enjoyed it, and also was like, I'm so Happen. Yeah, because I feel like within the context of American history, if you put a black family in the back of a police wagon, you're going to have to explain how they got out of that wagon. Mm-hmm. That's just the world that we live in. So, it's not if you're white. Yeah. No, white people like, use the police as customer service. So, huh? Maybe white people don't know what happens when you get arrested. I mean, they... Some of them probably don't. Yeah. Yeah, that some some white people use police officers as customer service, so that's a whole world I don't understand. Literally. So, like... 
Oh. It is. It is customer service. That's what the cops are from uh, people. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, let's talk about some of our favorite scenes. Okay. Um, we already kind of talked about some of them. Yes. Um, the bike riding scene. Yeah. There's this, like, great scene where the kids ride, um, two of the, two of the younger children, Mm -hmm. um, like, ride their bike to Rupert's house Mm -hmm. to go see after he, after he goes on Claudine. And they're, like, riding in between the cars and, like, the traffic and the camera's kind of, like, a, um, it's, like, a point of view shot. So you see, like, them kind of, like, it, it, the camera oscillates between, um, seeing them whiz between the cars and then the camera's also, like, whizzing between the cars. Yeah. It was really lovely. Um, just, I love carefree kid movies, black kid movies, um, and carefree moments where black kids just get to be kids on film. So that was a really nice scene, and it just, like, reminded me of my childhood a little bit and all the stupid, unsafe things that I did as a kid. <laughs> um, you? I was actually hit by a car while on my bike when I was 11 because I was trying to ride my bike across a very busy multiple lane um, intersection against the gate. Oh my god. I was a little stupid. Um, I was hit by a car, but I was okay. Um, but my mother freaked the hell out and grounded me indefinitely. Um, yeah, I mean, reasonable, <laughs> honestly. That sounds pretty stupid. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, anyone from Atlanta... The street I was trying to cross was Wesley Chapel to go to the Walmart, and if you know where that is, you know how stupid I was being at the time. So, what were you trying to get from Walmart? Do you remember? I don't think we were trying to get anything. We were just riding our bikes. So, oh like, I didn't have any money. I was like 11. So. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, the bike riding scene was really sweet, because the... The, the older kid, he must have been, like, what, 12, 11, 12? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he was riding the bike, and then the younger kid, who was, like, seven or eight, was on the handlebars, which is the most dangerous thing ever. Literally. <laughs> but it Literally. was so cute. In the middle of New York. Literally. Yeah, no, I, like, I have a few memories of, like, riding, not on the handlebars, because that's beyond, <laughs> but, like, um, riding on, like, the back pegs. Of someone's bike. Oh, oh wow. And just, like, really recklessly, like, through traffic. Like, there was one time when I was on the back of my friend's bike, and we were, like, in Manhattan during rush hour around Columbus Circle, which, for anybody listening who's from New York, you know what a wildly stupid <laughs> idea that was. <laughs> it was just wild. And I think I had, like, my friend's guitar on my back, too. What it the hell? Just, yeah. Yeah, it was it was wild. Like my friend was like a bike messenger, Mm-mm. so wow. dumb. Wow, yeah. so dumb. But it was like hella fun. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we are lucky to be alive, aren't we? <laughs> I know every day. Well, I got I got hit by a car here in Portland and knocked out my tooth. I got hit by a car because I was trying to flip off a driver and I lost my balance and fucking ate it. Oh my god! Yeah, one of my teeth is fake. <laughs> listeners can't see but I'm pointing out my fake tooth 
That they are. Knock that shit straight out of my head. <laughs> um, there was the time I tried to jump off a roof when I was 12 because it, it felt feasible. I was on the second floor. Um, Where were you going? I just wanted to see if I could do it. I had this theory that if I landed a certain way, I would be okay. Uh-huh. And That's, did you? I, I, I jumped off of... It was like not fully the second floor. It was like a floor and a half. And I jumped off the top, and it hurt like a motherfucker. And I never did I that bet. shit again. So. I bet. <laughs> I did not tell my mother about that. Okay. <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. Mm-mm. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, I, I agree with you that that scene like brought up all of those like carefree stupid decisions yeah that we made when we didn't understand what insurance what medical insurance was <laughs> <laughs> i like now i make much smarter decisions because i understand oh yeah oh the yeah consequences of my actions every time i go out is a calculated risk like how much do i have to pay if i get hurt doing this thing? literally literally <laughs> um what were some of my other favorite scenes um i liked the scene even though charles was being garbage like (laughs) when he was like talking he's just like trying to tell his mom like what like black power is which is honestly so embarrassing for him (laughs) like so i was just so embarrassed for him i'm just like this is like how the fuck are you gonna tell your mom who's raised six kids like like, what you know that she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, insanity. I'm just like, what What a glowing example of how our system teaches men that they know everything when they, in fact, don't know shit. <laughs> Humiliating for them. <laughs> how embarrassing. Everybody sees you. Your whole ass. Um, and, like, he's trying to tell her that, like, he's not scared, and she's just like, really now like mm-hmm. you don't have any reason to have guts if you're not scared yeah and I liked I just like I liked that like I liked the whole conversation that they had because I felt like the way that she handled it she was just like a you have no idea what you're talking about like come and talk to me five years from now and yeah. you're gonna be fucking apologizing me apologizing to me and buying me a personal foot massager mm-hmm um, do you think that also, that happens? I feel like for Charles, I feel like he'll come around. I don't honestly. Okay. Maybe I don't know. That's like my hope for it, but <laughs> who knows if that happens? But I feel like you know she clearly raised. I mean, like she raises kids right. They're like you know, even if they're fucked up, they're good kids. They're good kids. Yeah, all six of them. You know, are they're just not really mean. She doesn't. You know, she's not mean. Yeah. Like. I feel like she's still like so soft, you know. Yeah, that I, I like that part of it a lot, I, and yeah. I think Diane Carroll did a really good job here of like um, indicating how like the hardness of the life that she has to live and the choices that she has to make um, has been difficult in a way that revealed her softness. 
And that mm -hmm. was really cool. Like even the conversations she had with Roop about how like she feels torn in these two directions. Like when I'm with you, I wish I were with the kids. And when I'm with the kids, I wish I were with you. And I'm just, I feel like I'm failing everywhere. Um, and how this relationship just seems impossible because, because of all the other shit I have to deal with. I thought that was really like nicely done. And mm -hmm. again, right. like I when, don't see those conversations happening in modern TV. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like the, um, yeah, because I feel like it's just like, I feel like especially with the way that black women are portrayed, I feel like black women are so frequently portrayed as choosing men over their children. Oh, really? Ooh. Do you feel that way or no? Um, I feel like, I mean, I feel like all women are portrayed as choosing men over everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Like, right now. It's a weird moment where, like, even though we have dialogues and conversations about um, fighting the patriarchy, um, our popular media seems to be doing the exact opposite thing. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that's backlash or if that's, like, propaganda or what that is, but it's, like, the relationship, this, like, heteronormative relationship with the male figure is centered above everything else, mm -hmm. from what I see. Yeah. No, um, I agree with you. I agree with you. <sighs> but, yeah, like, in this movie, Claudine was very clear, like, yeah, I want to get it in and be with you right now, but, um, like, in all honesty, we can't work. Um, mm -hmm. because you're kind of a fuck nigga and like I got six kids and mm -hmm. it is what it is so mm -hmm. I don't know yeah no I loved like the scene when they're in bed together and like the kids call her yeah to be like I to, like to say nothing like he stole my toy and she's like don't call me again and then like Rupert puts the phone off the hook mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then she reaches over him and puts it back on the hook yes I yes. love that. I love that. I love that scene too. Yeah. That oh was a God, very subtle scene. check and I appreciate yes. that. Yes, like don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. You are not number one and there's exactly. no way you ever will be. So you need to yes. just get on board with this. Yes. <laughs> I loved that. I loved that. And it was also just so like it's just like such I don't know. I was like, damn, she's such a good mom. She is. She's a really good mom. Yeah. Like, I just love that. I love just, like, seeing a portrayal of her as just, like, a good mom who, like, also, like, is a person, like, who's, like, sexual and, like, makes mistakes and, like, but, like, loves people and, like, loves her kids. Mm hmm Like, I don't know. I like that. Yeah. Um, I also, this is nasty, but, like, there's a point where... <laughs> There's, like, that scene also when they're in bed together. When, oh, I know like, what you're talking about, mouse. yes. <laughs> he, like, she sees a mouse in the apartment, he puts on a mousetrap. Then they're, like, about to fuck, and, like, they hear the mousetrap go off, and she's like, you need to deal with that, because, like, it's yes. honestly, like, I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about it. And then, like, and then he flushes it down the toilet. Also, is like, butt naked. Yes. This is, like, primo, if you're just trying to flash forward through this movie. <laughs> For, like, spicy James Earl Jones scenes, <laughs> this is the scene to look for because he is, like, butt naked. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad. I was not mad. <laughs> I was, like, butt naked James Earl Jones carrying a dead mouse. <laughs> it's honestly sexier than a lot of other things that <laughs> I've encountered throughout my life. I was just, like... 
I was like, I'm confused inside myself. Like, yeah. I just don't know. Um, I'm surprised. Um, but yeah, no, he flushes the mouse down mm-hmm. the toilet. Mm-hmm. And then, that, you know, Claudine is like, she's like, did you wash your hands? And he has to like run back to wash his hands. <laughs> and then I was like, coming off of Corona, I was like, he did not wash his hands for long enough. <laughs> sound like that was a full 20 seconds under running water. That was not, tw- that wasn't even Mr. five Ruth. seconds. So, Literally, I yeah. was like, "You just touched a fucking dead mouse. You need to get in between your fingers." There's no way. That's like when a little kid goes into the bathroom and just runs the faucet and then turns it off. <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, water and favorite scenes, one of my favorite scenes is um, so on the first date when he goes to pick her up, like. Um, she's getting home late from work, and, like, when she walks into her place, it's a hot-ass mess. Um, Charles has been in the bathroom for, like, 12 hours, so there's no hot water, and the kids almost burn the house down trying to make grilled cheese and a toaster. So he takes her to his place so that she can take a bath and get changed over there. But, um, like, he goes to, um, get the bath ready for her, and... He asks her if she wants a bubble bath, and she says yes, and he puts dishwashing liquid yes! in there. I was like, authenticity. I see you, movie. I appreciate it. <laughs> so. I love that. He was like, bubble bath? We got it. Like, <laughs> I fucking love that shit. That shit was so funny. And then she just, like, just dead ass, just, like, falls asleep. In the I know. <laughs> I was a- like, same, honestly, same. I mean, seriously, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then he's like, do you just want to order? He's like, I'm just going to order some chicken instead. <laughs> and I was like, like, don't forget the fries. Yeah, that's like, a first honestly, date for the yeah, gods. That, that sounds like a great date. Yes, give me a bubble bath and bring me some chicken. Yeah. Okay, we go together now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> literally. Literally. <laughs> I'm not even mad. That's like, I'm just like, that's literally like, I feel like a date that I just had. <laughs> Pour me a bath and order takeout while I'm in the bath. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then we'll eat it and then I'll fall asleep. That's a fine first date. I mean, yeah. Claudine is, what, 36 in this movie? I'm 40. Yeah. This, this that, That's about my value system here and the level of trying that I want to do while dating at this point. <laughs> like, do and we need to put wrong on with fancy that, in my opinion. Yeah. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> I just really liked that. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, that's like the level of tired, though. Seriously, like she just she just knocked the fuck out in the bathtub. Like that's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I love that. They had dinner, and she was in a robe, <laughs> just eating chicken. That so- honestly is ideal. I hope that I get that tonight. <laughs> that's where I want to be. <laughs> um. Yeah, like, what else? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that this movie that I really liked was the scene when Charles goes after Ruth when he goes. We already kind of talked about it, but yeah. I was just like, not all of my exes, but I definitely wish that, that maybe wish I had a kid to, like, send after my exes. Okay, wait, I have a question about that scene. Um, why the hell was there a church choir in the bar? I don't... <laughs> What? I was hoping I was hoping you could explain that to me. 
strange road we got taken on and I didn't understand what they were trying to say. I, I just didn't. I was just like, oh. I feel like um, it's possible that Lester and Tina Pine were maybe a little bit on some acid when they wrote the last third of this movie. Just Fair to, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so. What a what a likely scenario. Because <laughs> things got real weird. Mm-hmm. And that wait, then there was um. I know there was one point where uh, Rupert was upset that he his wages were garnished, and he was so upset he got in his car and rear-ended his friend's car, and they didn't really address that or deal with it. Like, I know you don't have a whole lot of money to be paying your friend, and it's not like your friend has a whole lot of money, so he should be way more upset about this. Like, what yeah. is going on? Yeah. That was another point where, yeah, I just felt confused. Okay, alright. I was just confused. Yeah. And I that- feel like that's when it becomes a comedy, because, like, a comedy... Oh. It's not that things don't happen, but that there's, like, no consequence for the things that happen. Oh, touche. Okay. Okay, and I do have another question, because um, I feel like the point between um, Rupert and Claudine's relationship being, like, kind of casual fuck buddies to um, her kids giving him a Father's Day um, celebration was very short. And I don't understand when the relationship transitioned exactly. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> okay. I just, honestly, I chalked that up to straight people shit. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's valid. That's cool. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what straight people were doing. Like, I was like, lesbians, I was like, we'd be proud of, like, we would have already had, like, ten processing conversations. <laughs> This would be, we'd be in the third, We, you know, this would be the third Star Wars by now. <laughs> so, I don't know. Okay, alright. Um, yeah, I don't know. What other, were there any other scenes that stuck out to you? Um, I think that was most of it. Um, hmm. What about the bus ladies? Oh, the bus ladies. Oh, yeah. I, I thought it was funny um, at the beginning when they commented on how she needed some vitamin F. That was cute. Yeah, that was hella cute. <laughs> I felt And like- then when he goes to her and they were just like, you know, they were like, he ain't shit. Like, mm-hmm. I also like that. Yeah, that was real. That was real. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think those were those standout scenes. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Not for me. I really like the ladies on the bus. I, like, wanted more of that, honestly. Yeah. I I feel like the Claudine character would have been a bit more grounded if she had some more um, female friends. Mm -hmm. Or friends in general. Who watches your kids when you're not at work? Like, I I just, like, feel like, you know, I don't know. My feeling of, like, growing up is that, like, you know, moms have friends. Yeah. You know, especially single moms. Yep. You have to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, with, like, as someone who was raised by a single mom, like, um, it's not just, you know, your single parent that raises you. It's, like, the community members. It's, like, the people, um, the kind of um, 
chosen family that helped raise the kids. And mm-hmm. it would have been nice to see more of that in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right, should we should we rate the movie now? I was going to ask. You ready? Yeah. Who's I'll, going first? I'll go first this time because I feel like you always go first. And that's okay. a cop out for me. So. <laughs> Um, so, yes, this was, uh, the first time I've seen Diane Carroll play this kind of role, um, and I was pleasantly surprised, and I think that the movie was, like, really progressive in some really interesting ways, um, despite having not been written or directed by a black person. Um, (laughs) but Curtis Mayfield did the music, and that shows a lot. Um, cause there was a lot of Gladys Knight and the Pips music in here and I appreciated that. Um, so yeah, I was engaged, um, and it was really short, a really short movie. It wasn't too long, like movies are now. Um, so that was cool. So I'm going to give this a solid Wingstop garlic parmesan, um, three out of five. Nice. Yeah. Um, I would say... The things I liked about this movie, I think that this movie is a really, like, I see this movie as a good political education tool. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see this movie being able to, like, connect with folks and start some really um, good conversations around um, around state services mm-hmm. and the role that it's taken in our communities. Um, and, like, kind of the ways that we, like, show up for each other and, like, also the way that we, like, treat our moms and like deal and like and treat women you know yeah um who bear who have to like bear the brunt of like so many different systems of oppression yeah um and I really like that about this movie and I think that like it it like shows a lot of care um so those are things I like about it I think that we talked about a lot of the issues that um it also has like playing into colorism Mm. Um, and like really failing to um, depict yeah I think you know there are ways in which it like fails to actually like depict like black women and the things that we actually experience by failing to by by using a light-skinned woman by using a light-skinned woman um, in the place of like the experience of so many what so many dark-skinned women experience yeah um and is written by a white person I don't know. I love the music so much. I feel like that was like a big up for me. I'm gonna I'm going for four. Oh, okay. Because like, you know, I'm a bitch who loves political education <laughs> and film is political education. So I'm just like I think this film is like really is really like socially radical mm-hmm. in a way that I think is really useful. Yeah. Um so even if it doesn't hit all the marks, I think that it gets us closer mm. you know as a tool like I think it's a good tool um yeah okay yeah That's so I'm solid. going with southern lemon pepper wings nice and I feel like you wrote your new artist statement there I'm a bitch who loves political education yes I'm a bitch who loves political education <laughs> at me <laughs> all right no that's solid that's a solid so like that between the both of us that's a 3.5 mm-hmm. that's not too shabby. yeah Cool. Yeah. So, tune in for our next episode, which will be Melanie's choice. This was my choice, so I apologize <laughs> if you don't watch it and you hate it. 
also I will say this film is not available on most major streaming platforms. So if you want to watch it, get at me and we will find a way. All right, y'all hear that? It will most certainly be legal. Yes, it will be legal. Yes. (laughs) I am not winking because you can't see me. Yes, Um, I would never I would never condone participating in a legal activity. Seriously, if you are interested in seeing this movie, email natturnerproject0 at gmail, and we will figure out a way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I highly, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good movie, and it, and it is a stark juxtaposition, um, in terms of how black life reads on film in 2020. Uh, mm-hmm. And kind of a jarring one. And a surprising one. So, yeah. Yeah, and James Earl Jones looks hella fine. James Earl Jones was fine, y'all. He was fine. We are not exaggerating. Just okay. thick. <laughs> thick. Country thick. <laughs> Country thick. All right, bye, y'all. Bye.